Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio, Rural Radio 147, Sirius XM. I'm joined right now by Christian Hebert. Christian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean. How are you doing? Pretty good. What's going on on the farm right now? We're actually just gearing up. We got our Christmas party coming up tonight with all of our crew and spouses and kids. And and uh, to be honest, we usually shut down for 10 or 14 days over the break to get everybody to recharge for the new year. I mean, once, once January 1st hits, I mean, it's just a countdown to spring, right? So... I think too, you know, we got a pretty young crew and, and that means everybody has one or two or three kids right in the heat of kids activities right now. So I don't know about anywhere else in the world, but it seems like we're in a bit of COVID withdrawal. Everybody's packing everything into this last year. So I think everybody's ready for a good break. And, and then to be honest, you get back and by the middle of January, you're almost looking forward to seeding. So you almost forget, uh, you almost forget the, the stresses and stuff that come with the growing season by the middle of winter. Now, now with some of that crew, I just want to, you mentioned young crew. And so that with young crew comes some inexperience. Just curious, what, what kind of training do you put them through and, and learning experiences so that when you do get to where, you know, the, the wheels are turning and we're out in the field that everybody can hit the ground running? Yeah. So, I mean, nowadays you can do some simulation. So say John Deere has some monitor simulations, et cetera, that we can do in the winter and we try to get them to one or two farm shows to just check out some of the new stuff and, and see some of the new technology. But really what we've really tried to set up is, is good shifts and extra people. So when we're training in seating, we can have people riding in the buddy seat for two or three hours and, and then maybe run it themselves in the, in the perfect part of the day on the good part of the field and, and ease their way into becoming one of the main operators. We've really found that a lot of the training is just make sure you have enough staff and and team around to help each other and have two people on one job until one person's comfortable where maybe in the past we were always short stuffed and that that re- really led to, to poor training because they just didn't get enough time of uh you know of the mentorship around yeah and, and don't set people up to fail right don't put somebody in a situation where they really have no idea what they're doing and then be mad don't do it right yeah exactly i mean come to work every day with the mentality that everybody's here to do a good job i don't i don't believe anybody gets up in the morning hoping saying that they want to go to work and fail so most times, and we tend to do this actually weekly, we go through anything that went wrong and we try to explain, you know, was it a process or was it a person that was the problem? And 99 times out of 100, it's a process. And usually it was a lack of communication, a lack of training or, or a lack of time to do the job properly. Easy to blame the people though, right? That's, that's the quick out that I think a lot of people take. Yeah, I think it's always easy to blame the people. And, you know, I, I always tell a bit of a story when it comes to this in today's world. I mean, you go to the Colorado Avalanche went to the Stanley Cup last year, and if you ask anybody who the, you know, their best player is, uh, when it comes to the team, everyone will say McKinnon or McCarr, and, and I don't disagree, they're fantastic players, but I'd maybe argue that their captain, Landeskog, is, is the most important one to the team. You don't really know who he is. He was third or fourth on the team in points in the playoffs. He goes into all the, you know, the hard places in front of the net and in the corner and does media so the young guys don't have to, and I think that's the big thing is in today's world, we really seem to have set up society that everybody wants to be the MVP and nobody cares about the Stanley Cup. And so we find when we focus on processes, not on people, um, it gives us a lot better shot at coming out at the end of the week winning. Uh, not necessarily, you know, each person being an MVP, but the whole team is. Well, let's stick with the sports analogies. I also think of how quick sports teams are in football, hockey, European soccer to, you know, there's a bit of a losing skid. It's the coach. And so he's, the, you know, it's, it's a people problem, right? And so they're, 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 they're gassed. 
they're they they try to find somebody new to coach when maybe there hasn't necessarily been an evaluation of you know you've had you've run through eight coaches and you're still crappy maybe maybe there maybe there's like a scouting issue maybe you're not giving the players to the coach like there's a lack of investigation and some deeper issues there yeah i mean kind of a funny scenario right I, I agree with you i think some of these sports teams it's pretty long processes to be dynasties etc so you go right back to the scouting and then i mean the other thing is let's be honest these players are getting paid multi-millions of dollars so let's hold them accountable and let's maybe not be too hard on coach or coaches that do hold them accountable um as i said we've we've kind of set up some of these teams to focus on being mvps instead of teams that win and i mean you look at one of the ultimate examples is, is patty patty maroon that's in tampa bay i mean Guy's won, what, three Stanley Cups in a row, four in his career. He's never been an MVP, but obviously he's a pretty important part of teams that allows them to win and and just brings that type of culture in. I think we tend to undervalue, um, you know, culture and and trusting each other and exercises to help build team trust uh, and maybe focus a little too much on, oh, he's got 20 years of farm experience. He must be good. What are some of the things that you do at your operation to, to work on building trust equity amongst the team? I mean, at our management level, we've got some, you know, more in-depth exercises of uh, there's one called, the, you know, the one thing. So that's the one thing I really admire about you and the one thing I wish you'd either start or stop doing. Um, it's a pretty interesting exercise we do at the management team level. With our ops team and our office team, I'd say the one thing we do is obviously, as you know, we follow the OS model, but we tweaked it a little bit. And when we start our L10 meetings with those groups, we, we make everybody in the room point out, you go around the room and they point out something that they really appreciated that another team member did that week. Uh, and we and we just find that sometimes it's little things that you didn't even realize that you know it, it changed somebody else's day and had a positive impact, and that allows those little wins to really start to build. Yeah, we we do something kind of similar. We when we have a team meeting here at Real Agriculture every two weeks, where the entire team gets on a on a call, and one of the exercises that we started doing about a year and a half ago was somebody is designated to tell a core value story, how somebody else on the team really exemplified and showcased their their alignment with one of core values and it's 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 really interesting to hear some of the stories and and people you know the first couple times you do it it's like oh what are we doing but now people are like into it uh they they really love the people sharing stories about some of their teammates oh i completely agree and i think originally people you know are a little nervous about it because they always think it has to be something really big where a person follows a core value right where it's the little stuff i mean i still remember I can't even remember which book it is. It might even be Traction, where they talk about, you know, the secretary's number that she owned was to make sure she answered the phone in two rings or less with a smile because they actually had proved that sales and customer service would increase by somewhere between 15 and 20% as long as phones were answered in two rings or less and with a smile. Yeah. And so, I mean, something, something as simple as how you answer the phone and treat your, your service providers or customers really can affect your business and, and ties directly back to your core values. Great stuff. Hey, Christian wish you nothing but the best here during the holiday season. Merry Christmas to you and your family and your entire team and look forward to chatting with you again in 2023. Yeah, you bet, Sean. Look forward to chatting again. Christian brings up a great point. It's building the trust amongst your team, not only with family members that are working in the operation, but also people that have been brought on, hired staff, you know, members of the team. You, you got to build the trust among, if you don't have the trust, it's hard for people to be a high performing team, no matter what you're paying them. Okay. So great advice there from Christian Hebert.